Thank you for joining our podcast, this Holy Thursday worship for First United Methodist Church of West Pittston, Pennsylvania, and Plains United Methodist Church of Plains, Pennsylvania. I am Reverend Tenny Rupnick. Before we get started with our worship service, I wanted to take just a moment and tell all of you listening in that I will be guiding us in a celebration of a love feast later in the service. If you wish to join us and want to be ready with your food and drink, please listen on for just a moment or two more, then gather what you need and restart the podcast after you are ready. Most love feasts include the sharing of food. It is expected that we do not use communion bread, wine, or grape juice because to do so might confuse the love feast with the Lord's Supper. So the bread you gather may be a slice or two of ordinary bread, a wonder bread if you want, saltine crackers or rolls. The beverage has traditionally been water, but other beverages such as lemonade, tea, or coffee have been used. Remember, this is a love feast and not Holy Communion. Okay, at this point, you may step away from the podcast and gather what you need if you are participating, or you may just continue to listen on. Holy Thursday, April 9th, 2020. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Christ has prepared a feast of love. The first hymn I'll be reading this morning is number 285 from the United Methodist hymnal, To Mock Your Reign, O Dearest Lord. To mock your reign, O dearest Lord, they made a crown of thorns, set you with taunts along that road from which no one returns. They could not know, as we do now, how glorious is that crown, that thorns would flower upon your brow, your sorrows heal our own. In mock acclaim, O gracious Lord, they snatched a purple cloak, your passion turned for all they cared into a soldier's joke. They could not know, as we do now, that though we merit blame, you will your robe of mercy throw around our naked shame. A sceptered reed, O patient Lord, they thrust into your hand and acted out their grim charade to its appointed end. They could not know, as we do now, Though empires rise and fall, your kingdom shall not cease to grow till love embraces all. The Prayer for Illumination. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, give us the wisdom of your spirit to understand and receive the depth and breadth of the love that Christ showers upon us. Bless this reading of your word that we might be transformed by its grace. And all God's children say, Amen. Our Old Testament lesson is from the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. 
The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. Our Psalter reading, Psalm 116, verses 1 through 2, verses 12 through 19. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your serving girl. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Our second hymn reading is from number 286, O Sacred Head, Now Wounded. O Sacred Head, Now Wounded, With grief and shame weighed down, Now scornfully surrounded with thorns, Thine only crown. How pale thou art with anguish, With sore abuse and scorn! How does that visage languish, Which once was bright as morn? What thou, my Lord, hast suffered Was all for sinners' gain, Mine, mine was the transgression, but thine the deadly pain. Lo, here I fall, my Savior, tis I deserve thy place. Look on me with favor, vouchsafe me to thy grace. What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend? For this dying sorrow, thy pity without end. O oh, make me thine forever, and should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love to thee. Our gospel lesson is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, 
verses 1 through 9. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. He is Lord. He is Lord. He ascended from the dead because he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let us pray together. Gracious God, Christ emptied himself and humbled himself by being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He also emptied himself and humbled himself through his actions, by his service and his love. As Jesus knelt to wash the feet of his disciples, may we also humble ourselves in the service of others as you would have us do in imitation of him. Amen. At this time, we will participate in the love feast. The love feast, or agape meal, as it is also known, is a Christian fellowship meal recalling the meals Jesus shared with his disciples during his ministry and expressing the community and sharing the fellowship enjoyed by the family of Christ. Although its origins in the early church are interconnected with the origins of the Lord's Supper, the two services became quite distinct and should not be confused with one another. While the Lord's Supper had been practically universal among Christians throughout church history, the love feast has only appeared at certain times and among certain denominations. The love feast has often been held on occasions when the celebration of the Lord's Supper would be inappropriate or, or strange, perhaps when there was no one present to authorize, present authorized to administer the sacrament, or when the persons of different denominations are present and, and when those persons don't feel free to take of the Holy Communion together, or when there's a desire to have a hands-on remembrance of the sacrament over something called the internet. These are interesting times we live in. Let me be clear, what we are going to participate in at this time is the love feast, not Holy Communion. Let us share this love feast together now as we wait for Holy Communion, looking forward to celebrating that holy sacrament when our doors are once more opened and we can be together in body, in presence, yet again. So now, 
Seated at a desk or table and with your bread or crackers, your water or lemonade or tea close by, let us have a love feast together. The Invocation. Be present at our table, Lord. Be here and everywhere adored. Thy creatures bless and grant that we may feast in paradise with thee. The following prayer was written by Charles Wesley, John Wesley's brother, and he wrote it especially for the love feast. Father of earth and heaven, thy hungry children feed, thy grace to our spirits given, that true immortal bread. Grant us and all our race in Jesus Christ to prove the sweetness of thy pardoning grace, the manna of thy love. John 6, 25 through 35. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was in Israel on a trip with other seminarians in 2012, I was able to participate in a Shabbat service or a Friday evening service at a kibbutz or an Israeli settlement near the Dead Sea. The sun was setting and the Jewish Sabbath was beginning. The Shabbat service was casual, folks sitting around in folding metal chairs. No one was dressed up. We, as a group of foreign seminary students, were there. The resident rabbi was there. Families from the settlement were there. We sang to a guitar casually and cheerfully strummed as the youngest children in the room ran around and climbed up and down from this lap to the next. We had a time of sharing of a loaf of bread. This is not, of course, anything to do with communion as Christians know of it. The challah, or bread for Jewish peoples, is especially symbolic of and reminiscent of the manna God gave to his children wandering in the wilderness. At this service, the chala, or bread, was broken and shared. I took my piece, as any Christian probably would, remembering our own sacrament of Holy Communion and noting the differences I saw in the sharing. 
I felt a little nervous I might do something wrong. I felt a lot honored to be allowed to be a part of that Friday night service. And so I took my piece solemnly and ate, doing all I could to freeze that beautiful moment in my mind, that moment of two peoples, of two different faiths in close proximity with one another and shared harmony with each other. It was indeed a holy moment for me. But the children, ugh, the children, One ran up and took a ginormous chunk of the bread. A couple of the others wolfed theirs down and darted back time and again for more. Darted back expecting to continue to be fed from that piece of bread time and time again. There was even a a brief tussle over one particular piece until a mother or aunt or neighbor intervened. And all this happening after we as a congregation had moved on. Moved on in our singing and in our time together. And at first I was thrown by all this movement and noise, the rowdiness, the innocent clutching greed. It distracted me from my solemnity. For a few heartbeats, I was a little annoyed. And then I got the biggest smile. Then I understood. Then I was so warmed and so touched when it occurred to me how appropriate it all was, all of it, the adults in the room, as as they kept giving and serving with no scolding or fuss, the bread symbolic of the manna received, us all there together acting as God's children, whether eight years old or 88. And shouldn't we be acting just like those kids? Shouldn't we just be? Shouldn't we, whether Jewish or Christian, be scrambling closer and demanding a little too loudly and confidently and and snatching large chunks of the blessing of and the remembrance in our God? A holy moment, indeed. We will begin now with the passing of the bread and the sharing of the cup for our love feast together. The bread is now passed from person to person. Each person, if there is more than one in the room, is invited to take of the bread and pass it on while you listen to these words of Jesus the Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26 And Paul wrote, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please eat your bread or cracker in remembrance of our Lord and in remembrance of our holy sacrament. The cup is now passed from person to person. Please do so while listening to these words of Christ. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five through 26 In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Please drink in remembrance of our Lord and in remembrance of our holy sacrament. O Lord, hear our prayer, 
Gracious God, your anointed one on the night before he suffered, instituted the sacrament of his body and his blood. While we do not observe the sacrament of Holy Communion in this Holy Third Thursday podcast service, but participate in a love feast instead, we do ask that you guide us to a remembrance of that meal and of his commandments to eat and to drink and to do it as often as we can in remembrance of him. And all God's children say, Amen. I ask you now to pay special attention to Charles Wesley's words in the next hymn I am about to read, a hymn in which he claimed that while our bodies may be far off remove, we are still one in heart. Number 566, blessed be the dear uniting love. Blessed be the dear uniting love that will not let us part Our bodies may far off remove. We are still one in heart. Joined in one spirit to our head where he appoints we go and still in Jesus' footsteps tread and do his work below. Oh, may we ever walk in him and nothing know beside, nothing desire, nothing esteem, but Jesus crucified. We all are one who him receive and each with each agree in him the one, the truth we live, blessed point of unity. Partakers of the Savior's grace, the same in mind and heart, nor joy, nor grief, nor time, nor place, nor life, nor death can part. At this time, we will move into the tenebrae portion of our holy Thursday service. A service of tenebrae, or shadows, is based on a 12th century service and is an extended meditation on the passion or suffering of Christ. It is oftentimes marked by the gradual extinguishing of 16 candles until the space becomes dark and mournful in preparation for the solemnity of Good Friday. In our current context, you may dim your lights, if that's possible for you, at, the, at each sound effect that you hear. You will hear blows of a hammer or the clanging of a chime. If that's not possible for you, when you hear those blows and those clangs, just imagine our sanctuary on a night in which we can be there on Holy Thursday and imagine it getting darker and darker in that sanctuary throughout the readings. God is light in whom there is no darkness at all. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And this is the judgment that the light came into the world and we loved the darkness rather than the light. The first reading. Jesus went forth with his disciples across the Kidron Valley where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, procuring a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to befall him, came forward and said to them, 
whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word which he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave to me. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which the Father has given me? The second reading. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Judean authorities seized Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had given counsel to the religious authorities that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. The third reading. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. As this disciple was known to the high priest, he entered the court of the high priest along with Jesus while Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the woman who guarded the gate and brought Peter in. The woman who guarded the gate said to Peter, Are you not also one of this man's disciples? Peter said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. The fourth reading. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jewish people come together. I have said nothing secretly. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he said this, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, bear witness to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. The fifth reading. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, Are not you also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a kinsman of the man whose, Peter, whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once the cock crowed. The sixth reading. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early. 
They themselves did not enter the headquarters so that they might not be defiled, but might eat of the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have handed him over. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The religious authorities said to him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. This was to fulfill the word which Jesus had spoken to show by what death he was to die. The seventh reading. Pilate entered the headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingship is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight that I might not be handed over to the religious authorities, but my kingship is not from the world. Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? The eighth reading. After Pilate said this, he went to the religious authorities again and told them, I find no crime in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. Will you have me release for you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The ninth reading. Then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no crime in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no crime in him. The religious authorities answered him, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard these words, he was the more afraid. He entered the headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Therefore, Pilate said to him, Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. The 
the tenth reading. Upon this, Pilate sought to release him, but the religious authorities cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king sets himself against Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat at a place called the pavement. Now, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the religious authorities, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. They handed him over to be crucified. The 11th reading. So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote a title and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Judeans read this title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near to the city and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. The Jewish chief priests then said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but instead this man said I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. when the soldiers had crucified Jesus. They took his garments and made four parts, one for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was without seam woven from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to, he to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They parted my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. The 13th reading. So the soldiers did this. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. The 14th reading. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A bowl of vinegar stood there. So they put a sponge full of the vinegar on hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit.
the 15th reading. Since it was the day of preparation in order to prevent the bodies from remaining on the cross on the Sabbath, for Sabbath was high holy day, the religious authorities asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled, not a bone of him shall be broken. And another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. At this time, all would be silent in our sanctuary. The last section being read in darkness. The 16th reading. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the religious authorities, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus and Pilate gave him leave. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who had at first come to him by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. They took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with spices as the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden was a new tomb where no one had ever been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, as the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Continue to imagine our sanctuary darkened now, barely a light sleeping in, nary a word whispered. A poem, Maundy Thursday, by Ched Spillman. The candle is lit, the lights are dimmed, the service has begun. As the melting marks our progress, we do as we are told among the reading and response, watching narrative unfold. We see him set his face like flint toward a bitter destination. We hear his silence fill the court, absorbing, biting accusation. The void his words have left filled now with darker sound, the hint of kiss, the curse of foe, the pound of fist, the rooster crow. I eat the bread and drink the cup, bearing stains I can't deny. Think of blood he sweat and bled, hear my heart shout, crucify. The old, old story, strange and new, the weight of murdered son, his dying breath is on his lips. The closing song is almost done. There, now, it is finished. The room is darker now. The smell of the snuffed out candle creeps towards the worshipers. And hope must wait 
for another day. Go in peace. May Jesus Christ, who for our sake became obedient unto death, even death on a cross, keep you and strengthen you, this night and forever. Amen.